Good morning, and uh, Happy New Year. I have a question I'd like to start the message with, and uh, the question is, what would it be like to be the son of one of the richest men on earth? What would it be like to be the son of one of the richest men of earth? Would you like to be the son of one of the richest men on earth? Here's some reasons you might want to. Um, if you looked recently at the cost of uh, an education, uh, we uh, have a daughter in high school and, and three more to follow. And at some point, we have to think about college. And uh, education is, ex is expensive. Uh, some people will actually put their kids into private school, even just for, uh, you know, before college. And that's also very expensive, could easily be $1,000 uh, a month. So that's not really a consideration for us with four kids. Um, but if you were the son of one of the richest men on earth, you could afford all that education. Uh, one of the richest men on earth is Elon Musk. He uh, uh, started a number of companies, including Tesla here in Fremont. And uh, he actually created a private school just for his kids. So I don't know how much that would cost. <laughs> but uh, you know, chose the teachers and the curriculum and whatever you know, he needed to to provide what he felt was the best possible education for his children. So if you were the son of one of the richest men on earth, you could count on the top-notch top uh, education. You wouldn't have to worry about the cost of that. Uh, how about a house? How about a house? Houses, as some of you know, are expensive here in the Bay Area. And, um, but if you are the son or daughter, in this case, of one of the richest men of earth, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, the daughter of Bill Gates got a present from her dad. Uh, a house in Florida, and he needed a backyard large enough because she likes riding horses. So it needed to be large enough for uh, you know, the horses to have room to walk around with her on them. Uh, I think it was in the tens of millions of dollars. But if you are the son or daughter of one of the richest men on earth, you don't have to worry about that. Right? Housing will be provided. Um, another thing you might worry about is uh, jobs, right? You know, we're raising our children. We're, trying to help them through school, and we're hoping they'll get a good job, but it's not always easy to get a good job in this world. Even, even with a good education, you know, it doesn't guarantee it. But if you are the son or daughter of one of the richest men on earth, uh, they can provide you with a job. Uh, Richard Branson uh, owns a company called Virgin, and uh, he's a billionaire, and you know, he gave his two children uh, high posts in his company. You know, why not? They're my kids. I want them to have a good job. I have a company. I'll make sure they get a good job, right? So again, something you don't have to worry about if you're the son or daughter of one of the richest men on earth. Why am I using this example? Uh, we are studying the, the, the book to the Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, actually. And if you recall, uh, in that letter, Paul is addressing a problem 
in the churches of Galatia. Uh, and that problem was that uh, false teachers have come in. We call them Judaizers because they taught that it wasn't enough to just believe in Jesus. If you want to enjoy God's blessings, you also need to become a Jew. You need to be circumcised. You need to keep the law of Moses. And so Paul, in this passage, will point out that as believers, we already have God's richest or highest possible blessing. We don't need any more blessing than the blessing we receive through faith in Christ. So with that, let's uh, read our passage. It's fairly short, just four verses. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. For you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. For you are all sons of God. That is the blessing that you and I enjoy today if we know the Lord Jesus. We are sons of God. How great of a blessing is it being the sons of God? Uh, some of you asked me what I was doing during my break. Some of you didn't. So you get a free uh, preview or back, back uh, round of it. But uh, we went to a uh, cabin in the mountains in Southern California with my family, that being my parents and my sisters and brother and their children, my nieces and nephews. And uh, so here I have a picture of my two brothers-in-law and uh, their children. And uh, one of the things that impressed me as I was watching them during the week is that uh, they really cared about their children. You can see uh, the care that uh, Noah, my, one of my brothers-in-law, on the left from where I'm looking at, yep, left on your side too, uh, we went out uh, to the cold, so he put his daughter, sorry, his, his son, I believe that's his son. Is it his son or his daughter? I can't tell from that picture. No, it's his daughter, sorry. I need to put my glasses on or look behind me. Um, and so he made sure she was warmly dressed, right? You see that? You know, a great big bunny suit, you know, probably would keep her warm in even colder weather than we had. Uh, so he, he cares about her. He provides for her. And there's my other brother-in-law, and he found another way to keep his daughter warm. He put her in his own jacket. But uh, what you can see from that view is uh, parents, fathers, are, are concerned about the well-being of their children. And uh, that's why these richest men in the world were providing for their children. They provided education, they provided housing, they provided jobs, because they cared about their children. They love their children. And we are in that position in respect to God. We are God's children. He cares for us. He loves us. He will provide for every need, because he is our Father, and he loves us. Romans 8 28 tells us, 
And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. How blessed are we to have God as our Father. Uh, we have, uh, you know, if you had the richest man on earth, there was still would be a limit to what they could do for you. Let's say you contracted uh, cancer. Um, I've heard uh, from Elizabeth, she works for a uh, cancer specialist in uh, the Stanford Hospital. I mean, he is the top of his field, and, and his son uh, contracted cancer, actually a brain tumor, if I remember correctly, which is his specialty is dealing with brain, with all his knowledge, his prestige, his special position as a cancer uh, a doctor, he could not save his son's life, right? So even the richest man on earth wouldn't be able to take care of every possible problem that his child would have. They're just limited. They're human. There's only so much money can buy. And yet, not so with us. It says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. His children, his children, all things work together for good. We were talking about education. Does God provide an education for us? Yes, he does. What is it? What is God's education for us? It's called life. It's called life. <laughs> Here on earth, right? He works all things together for us, and he works all things in such a way, we're told in verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Uh, you go to school today, and uh, you learn a lot of subjects, and uh, if it's a good school, they realize it's not enough to just, you know, put you in a chair and, uh, and lecture at you day after day. You actually need to get some hands-on experience. Uh, Nick, I, I'm guessing that when you were uh, trained to be a policeman, you didn't just get to sit in a chair every day, and they just lectured to you every day, and then eventually they put a badge in you and said, okay, you're ready. No, they took you on the field, right? You had to be trained. You had to experience what it's like to face these different situations on the street in order to be a qualified policeman to be able to graduate. In the same way, we need to go through life's experiences and be trained by them to become like the Lord Jesus. That's God's goal for us. When he trains us, he has nothing less in view than us being like his beloved son. He wants us to become just like him. And you know what that takes? Life. <laughs> life's lesson trials, difficulties in our lives. Now, there's blessings, too. There's many occasions to rejoice and, and see the love of people in our lives and learn from that about the love that God has for us, right? Life has positives and negatives. Yet all these things are designed by God for our good so that I can trust in him that whatever happens, God intended it for good for my life, something the richest man on earth could not guarantee his son, God can guarantee us that everything that comes upon us is actually for our good. Another blessing, we talked about uh, the houses that uh, the richest men on earth could provide for their children. What about us? 
Jesus tells us in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So God is preparing a mansion for us in heaven. We spent uh, our Christmas vacation in a cabin in the mountains, and you could tell it was a very, very nice place when it was first built. But, you know, time has passed, and the toilets were not working that great. The dishwasher wasn't working at all. You know, we could put clean dishes in it, and they came out dirty. I don't know how that happened. Um, so, I mean, it was, you know, running down. You know, some doors weren't quite closed. Some places that should have doors didn't have doors. And I, I'm guessing this beautiful mansion that uh, Gates bought his daughter uh, will start falling apart eventually, right? And eventually it's not going to be such a nice place without, you know, continued investment into it, right? Uh, and, you know, maybe a bad hurricane will come their way. They're in Florida and flatten it, right? I mean, they don't know what's going to... You know, the, the mansion that God has for me in heaven uh, will never grow old. It will be uh, just as perfect in a million years as it will be in the day when God gives me the keys to that place. Right? So God has a better, better mansion for us than any uh, rich man on earth could buy. How about a job? Does God have a job for us? John 4, 38, <clears throat> And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. I don't know how great the job is that, uh, that uh, the richest men on earth can provide their children. It probably pays very well. Um, and so they get more money out of it. The truth is they probably have all the money they need. So I don't know what satisfaction they get from being paid more. Maybe it's a satisfying job, right? Maybe they get to do something that's very cool and, and they feel very fulfilled. I don't know. But all these things will have limited value. The money they're making will not last. It's, it's all going to perish. Uh, the job they do probably doesn't have any eternal value, right? Let's say they're, they're in a company that makes LEDs. Uh, LEDs, you know, we don't need LEDs in heaven because the Lord Jesus will be the sun and the source of light. Uh, so everything we do on earth has just a temporary value. But the job that God gives us is that of gathering fruit for eternal life. I, I'm thinking primarily we have the opportunity to share the gospel with people who haven't heard. And uh, when someone gets saved, that's an eternal fruit. You have someone who will be in heaven forever because of something you did on earth. Now, we, don't, we may not all get to see a person making a decision to follow Christ because we witness to them, but in some way, God is using us. He's using us uh, to, to put seeds that will later mature. He might be using us along the way to confirm them, to bring them one step along uh, the way. He might be using us to encourage them and build them up after they got saved. We all have the opportunity to participate in God's eternal work. So just that should be infinitely more fulfilling than any job on earth because what we do has an eternal value. And amazingly enough, God pays us for it. And whatever payment God has for us also will last for eternity. So we'll get to enjoy whatever it is God gives us in return for our service for all of eternity. 
That's better than any rich man on earth can promise their children. So these are just a few of the blessings of being sons of God, which we all are through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, just a quick story here about uh, Abraham Lincoln and Tad, uh, his son. I found uh, this quote in the, uh, online. So for those of you who don't know, Abraham Lincoln, he was uh, which number president, Eliana? 16th? 16th president of the United States uh, from, uh, I think it was 1960 to 1965. So 1860, Sorry, thank you for that correction. 1860 to 1865, and that was during the time of the Civil War, the greatest struggle this country has ever gone through. And uh, President Lincoln had a lot of his, on his mind. Before he took office, uh, there was almost an insurrection against him in Washington, D.C. There, there was a, a plan to, to just kill the Union right there before he even took office. Shortly after he took office, half the nation seceded, and uh, those that seceded, half the state seceded, those who seceded started attacking the federal uh, forts and troops that were in the South. He had a war on his hand. And, uh, you know, so he, he raised troops, he, he appointed generals, and the war wasn't going well. Uh, more men died in that war than any other war in the, in the history of the United States. It was a great struggle for the survival of the United States. It's hard to think of a busier president, a president that had more on his mind than President Lincoln. And so you might think, well, you know, he wouldn't have any time for his children. But that's not the case. His son, Tad, it is said, had free reign in the house and grounds, this is the White House, disrupting staff, meetings, and social occasions at will. Noah Brooks wrote that, I was once sitting with the president in the library when Tad tore into the room in search of something and having found it, he threw himself on his father like a small thunderbolt. Must be an old expression. Gave him one wild, fierce hug, and without a word, fled from the room before his father could put a hand to detain him. According to Assistant Secretary of War, War Charles A. Dana, often I sat by Tad's father reporting to him about some important matter that I had been ordered to inquire into, and he would have this boy on his knee. And while he would perfectly understand the report, the striking thing about him was his affection for the child. So even in the midst of all his busyness and trouble, uh, Abraham Lincoln's son always had his father's uh, affection in first place. And, uh, and that's the way we are with God, you would say, well, God is busy. He has a universe to run. It's true. But you are his dear child. And he always has you on his mind. He never says no when, when you come storming him in into his office by prayer. He always has time to hear you and to respond to your special needs. How do we get this special blessing of being a child of God? So according to the Judaizers, uh, 
the blessings of God were accessible through keeping the law of Moses. And, uh, you know, I was trying to, to find an illustration for that. And uh, it would be kind of like one of Lincoln's staff members. Let's say he was sitting there in the Oval Office and seeing Abraham Lincoln's son getting, getting his uh, attention and priority in meeting after meeting. And he would say to the president, you know, you know, I have been a good staff member. I've been sitting in every meeting. I've always behaved myself, always only spoken in turn, only told you what is right and true, always gave you good advice. Uh, can I be your son? Because I've done all these things. Uh, and, and we laugh at it, and President Lincoln would say, you know, I'm sorry, you've just been born to the wrong parents. I can't do anything to change that. Uh, you can't win into someone's affection as a son by simply doing the things that please them. Now, the staff member will get to keep his job, right? I mean, there's some benefits in, in, uh, in pleasing the president and doing what you're supposed to do, but, but it doesn't give you a place in his family, right? That only comes by birth. And that is what Jesus came to give to us. There's a story in the New Testament about a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man. Uh, he kept the law as well as any human being could. Uh, he attained to the highest rank in a Jewish society. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, he was wealthy. Uh, from people's perspective, this is certainly a person who is blessed by God because of being the good person that he is. Yet one day he came to Jesus and uh, tried to assure Jesus of his personal support of Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, Nicodemus, you know, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You must be born again. And Nicodemus was confused at that. And uh, so Jesus answers him in... Uh, John 3, 5 through 8, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So there's a number of things we can learn from these verses. Uh, first, we must learn that um, we uh, are spiritually dead as we are born. We're born, you know, we're physically alive, Right, my children, uh, from the day they were born, exhibited all sign of life, and yet they were spiritually dead. The the spirit uh, was separated from God, and that's the consequence of the fall. We inherited that from Adam and Eve, we, because they sinned against God. God put them out of the garden. They died spiritually. They were made separate from God. They no longer had that spiritual connection with God that they had when they were created. And we, their children, are all born 
spiritually dead. And that's why Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In order to become spiritually alive, we needed a new birth. And that's the birth that Jesus came to give us. It's affected through the spirit of God, but it connects our spirit to God. It gives us a new spirit, a new relationship with God. And when it does so, because our spirit comes from God, we become God's children when we are born again. Another thing we learn from this verse is that uh, this birth is invisible. Jesus compared it to the wind blowing. You can't see the wind. You know, the wind might be blowing outside, but I can't see uh, the wind itself. So is the process of spiritual birth. I can't see when you are born again. I might have you in my living room. I might be sharing the gospel with you, and you're born again because you heard and believed the gospel. I will see nothing. Right? It's invisible, just like the wind. But like the wind, it will have an effect. I'll see this leaf drifting, drift, drifting across the road. We were driving um, back home from uh, L.A., and there was you know, this, I don't know, piece of paper of something rolling on the road in front of us. I couldn't see the wind, but I could see the effects of the wind. In a similar way, when you are born again, we will see the effect of it. It will have an impact on your life. It will change you from the inside out because now God has a relationship with you and you start responding to the impulse of God in your heart. You become a new person as a result of being born again. So I will see it, but I don't see it when it happens. I just see the effects of it afterward. Yeah, the final thing we get from another verse, um, John 1, 12 and 13. Jesus says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, of man, but of God. So what do we learn here about our, our spiritual birth? Well, it happens when we receive Jesus. All right? In this passage, it says, you're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It doesn't happen when I do a good work. It doesn't happen when I circumcise myself. It doesn't happen when I fulfilled the Ten Commandments perfectly. It happens when I receive God's free gift of salvation through his Son, the Lord Jesus. When I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I am born again. How do I know that? Because God's word says it. Right? Again, it sometimes takes time to manifest itself. I won't see when you're born again. I'll see it in your life. But I know it happened the moment you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because that's what the Bible says. Okay. Uh, that is, that's for the first verse. We'll move a little bit faster from now on. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does it mean? Well, there's a visible truth and there's an invisible truth in this verse. The visible truth uh, is this. I was baptized 21 years ago. 
See if we can find that picture. There it is. You know, this was taken, I would have you know, with uh, not a digital camera. This is before digital cameras. I was baptized, but uh, my dear wife was there and she snapped the picture. So that was a visual thing. I was visually baptized. And uh, why was I visually ba why was I baptized? Uh, baptized in water? Well, because the Lord commanded me to. Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this is a command Jesus gave. He told his disciples, the apostles, go and preach the gospel. When somebody believes, command them to be baptized. Right? And so we go into water, we immerse ourselves as Jesus commanded us to do. Why do we do it? Um, so it says, as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let me give you an illustration. So this morning, actually, you know, I started yesterday. Uh, my daughter had a soccer game, and the forecast was rain. And so I wore this to the soccer game. Why did I wear this to the soccer game? Uh, yeah, I wanted to stay dry. I wanted to stay warm. It, was, it actually ended up not really raining, but it was very windy and cold. So, you know, everybody was jealous of my nice jacket because, you know, I came prepared for the weather. Uh, so in a similar way, when we are baptized, we put on Christ. That is, we confess that our confidence is in him. Right? Just when I put this on, you know, I confessed, you know, that, you know, I'm putting my confidence in this jacket to protect me from the rain and the wind. Everybody could tell what I was trusting in to make it through the soccer game. In a similar way, when we are baptized, we are putting on Christ. That is, we're making a public confession. In Christ we trust. I'm not trusting in my good works to save myself. I'm trusting in the finished work of Christ, in his death and resurrection for me. That's what I'm trusting in for my eternity. Right? Well, it's a visual thing. It was a confession that we made. Keep it on for a little bit longer. Uh, but there was also something invisible that happened several months before I was baptized. Uh, I was, at that time, I was also baptized into Christ. It had nothing to do with water. It was something that God did when I was saved. He connected me to Christ. He placed me in Christ uh, in a spiritual sense that we don't fully understand. I don't fully understand. There's a lot of things we learn about it in the Bible. Uh, but he, I became vitally connected to Christ when I was saved. And uh, one illustration of that could come from something Jesus said. In uh, John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am divine you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So here's a picture of a vine and branches, just to kind of help us understand. So the vine is, you know, the trunk that comes from the ground. 
You could also think of it as the thicker branches, you know, that are going from the, the, the trunk. And the branches really are the leafy parts of the plant that come from the vine, and they'll bear the fruit, such as grapes in this particular case. So Christ is the vine, we are the branches. As the branches are attached or vitally connected to the vine, so we are attached or vitally connected to Christ. It's something invisible that God does. Again, it's not visual, but in you know, God's economy, <laughs> he connects me to Christ. And all my blessings come through my connections with Christ. So now that is what will provide for all my needs. I don't look to the law as making me right with God. I, I don't try to keep God's law as a way to continue God's blessings flowing my way. I trust in Christ, right? Just like uh, the divine continuously provides the blessing or the nutrients that the branches need, so Christ continually provides from me. I trust him for my forgiveness. Daily I sin. Daily I can come back and confess my sins and I receive forgiveness. I never have to do any good work in order to receive any of God's blessings. They all come through Christ in my connection with him. And that's why in places like Ephesians 3, or Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All the blessings I have, including that of being a child of God, come because of my vital connection with Christ. So I always look for Christ for all my blessings, not to the law, keeping the law. Okay, I'll take my jacket off. <laughs> Okay, uh, then Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So now this should be an easy verse to understand. So the Jews claimed, uh, the Judaizers claimed that somehow Jews had a greater blessing than the Gentiles in Christ. And what Paul is saying, no, that is not true. First of all, we all enjoy God's highest blessing of being sons of God. And second, all of our blessings come through Christ. Nothing flows through the law. Everything I have comes through Christ. And that's why it doesn't matter if I'm a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if I'm slave or free. It doesn't matter if I'm male or female. We have the same blessing before God. And it, they all come the same way. They all come through Christ Jesus. Nothing else is a source of our blessing. And then Paul finishes with, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So this seems a little bit of a backward glance, but uh, again, it has to do with the fact that the Judaizers were claiming that there was some sort of special blessing that Jews were enjoying. Uh, I still find that there's, there's a confusion 
Or maybe it's just, you know, people trying to flatter me or be kind to me. But sometime when, when a believer in Jesus finds out that I'm Jewish, they'll say something like, oh, you're doubly blessed. <laughs> or, you know, you are truly blessed because, you know, you are one of God's, you know, people, the Jews, and you also have the blessing of Christ. Well, no, that's actually not true. I don't have any more blessing than a Gentile does. Paul points out <clears throat> for us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So Paul has already gone through the effort of saying, you know what? Yes, it's true that God gave Abraham a special blessing. There was a special blessing to Abraham. In fact, if you really study it, it's the same blessing from the very beginning. Right? From the very beginning, God told uh, Adam and Eve, or in Adam's and Eve's hearing, he was talking about the seed of the woman right? who would come and crush the serpent's head. And he really was talking about the fact, again, that Jesus was going to come, was going to turn around uh, what Satan did to separate us from God and restore us into fellowship, into a relationship with God, thus crushing the serpent's head. Right? So really, God's promise to Abraham was really just one more promise along the way of God's promise of salvation that eventually will be offered to the whole world. But Paul made the point, you know, the promise was to Abraham and to his seed, singular. Singular, meaning he wasn't promised what he was promising Abraham to all his physical descendants. He was promising it to Abraham and to one physical descendant who was the Lord Jesus, right? Now, what Paul says here, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Wait a second, wait a second. I'm trying to understand this. Okay, so I belong to Christ. Now you're saying I'm Abraham's seed as well? Well, yes, because Christ is Abraham's seed, and I'm vitally connected to Christ. All of Christ's blessings are now my blessings too. Why? Because that's what God wanted to do. He wanted to connect me to Christ and to give me all of Christ's blessings with him. And so, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you know what? You're heir according to the blessing. Whatever promise God gave Abraham, you are a recipient of that blessing as well. Because that promise ultimately found its fulfillment in Christ. And you, through your connection to Christ, get to enjoy that same blessing. Okay. Final thoughts. As I was going through uh, the pictures of the world's the children of the world's richest men. I mean, you could do it if you wanted to. You could just Google it, and you'll get you know, stories and pictures and all of that. Uh, I was struck a little bit by a picture of uh, Bill Gates' children. Uh, he had two daughters and a son, if I remember correctly. But you could tell the son was just not so happy, you know, about, I don't know, having his picture taken or being a child of Bill Gates or... You know, he had a bad day. I don't know. I don't know. And the thought came to me, you know, we can be the same way. We would look at Bill Gates and he'd say, you know, you have so many blessings. You don't understand. You have it made. You should be happy all the time. 
Well, you know, the same is true about us. You know, we have a greater blessing than the children of Bill Gates because we are the children of God. And God has more blessings for us through that union than Bill Gates' children could even, even dream of. But like Bill Gates' children, we could have a bad day in which we forget about all of God's blessings to us. And as a result, we could look like Bill Gates' unhappy son. And uh, I think we would do God honor and we would do ourselves a favor and everybody else around us if we remembered his blessings more often. So it is, it is really uh, up to us to take our time and to think through what blessings we have in God. What does it mean to be a child of God? And I, I mentioned a few. I mentioned uh, God's school or training, the mansion he has for us in heaven, the, the job, opportunities he has for us to serve us here below. The list can extend much, much longer than that. But I will leave that to your own study. Finally, if you have not yet received the gift of being a child of God, uh, it's yours for the taking, right? Christ offers it. Uh, I, I've spent the time with uh, my unsaved family, and the truth is they're just not interested, right? They, they, they don't believe. They're in the same place I was, right? You know, go back 20-some years in my life, and I was exactly the same place, right? Didn't, didn't think I needed God or anything. Uh, so that could be where you are today. You just don't think you need him. But uh, he is offering you eternal life, and uh, that as God's child. So please, please take that into your serious consideration and, and take the necessary actions of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you made us your children. Lord, when uh, we put our faith in Christ. What a blessing that is. Lord, help us appreciate it more and day by day and, uh, and keep us from, uh, from forgetting and being despondent instead of, of rejoicing. And we pray for anybody here who hasn't yet received that free gift of being your child, that you might uh, prompt them, help them to see their need for him. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.